Thanks for listening to The Vine's podcast. The Vine is a church in Austin, Texas, with the simple goal of following Jesus together. And we hope this message helps you in doing just that. You know, we started this sermon series, Seek First, because we really want to be a a community of people who are seeking the right things, putting the right things first. And uh, so we began this sermon series to, to help us have a different kind of year as we seek what really, really matters. We began two weeks ago by talking about what does it mean to seek Christ in our life, to put Christ first. Uh, We talked about the importance of the right order in our life. Last week, we talked about the importance of discovering ourselves and how uh, seeking Christ and discovering ourselves is two sides of the exact same coin. And uh, this week, we're going to finish the sermon series by talking about the importance of pursuing people that it's our spiritual life is not just about us knowing God and knowing ourselves, but it's also us pursuing people. And uh, we have such an incredible demonstration and example of how to do that in the life of Jesus. But to begin with, I'd like to introduce you to Chris. In Australia, a hiker was out on, uh, on this one day, and he saw this, this figure, this bizarre-looking beast from a distance. Not sure what this beast was, uh, he thought maybe this is a new uh, species of animals or a w- wild mythical beast in Australia, maybe from uh, Lord of the Rings or something like that. No, it, actually when they got closer, he noticed that it was a sheep. <laughs> Introducing you to Chris the sheep. The sheep had wandered away from the farm and from his shepherds and for five years existed without the routine of being sheared and being groomed. For five years, Chris the sheep was growing this incredible uh, wool. They actually had to bring in an expert shearer to take off this incredible amount of wool, and they pulled off a world record 89-pound wool coat from the sheep. Does that make you feel weird and gross inside? It does for me. So a friend of mine told me about Chris the sheep, and I, I, uh, I read up about it, and I saw a bunch of memes online. I found like this one of what you do with Chris the sheep, or like this one, uh, or like this one. And I was just like, man, the Chris the sheep's awesome. I love Chris the sheep. But then after a while, a, a deeper meaning took place for me. And when I saw the picture of this sheep who had wandered away from the herd, it made me think that this is what it's like when we choose to go it alone. This is what it's like when we choose to to leave the community that God's put us in. This is what it's like when we wander off. And just like we look at at Chris the sheep, and he's not not recognizable. Uh, He's not flourishing. He's not safe. I mean, they, they were saying that he was about to die, just he, was, he couldn't handle it. This, for me, I, it makes, makes me think, it's a picture of what it, how important it is for us to live in community, to be where God has created us to be. We were created with the purpose of living and existing in community. That's how and why we were created. And it reminds me, and I've said this before, but the very first thing that God saw in creation that he said, oh, this isn't right, it wasn't when Adam and Eve took the bite of the, of the apple and turned from God. It was actually when God saw Adam alone and said, it is not good for man to be alone. That was the first thing that God saw and said, no, this isn't how it was meant to be. We were not meant to be alone. We were not to go through life alone. And though we might know this in our life, 
I wonder how many of us have began this new year with that as a priority. Like how many of our resolutions are about me and my, my health and my wellness and all those things are good, but I wonder if also if for us to have a different kind of year, if we actually make it a priority to deepen our experience of community. What would it look like for us to take the next two big steps in building significant relationships and how our lives would be different? We can chase all sorts of dreams and goals this new year, um, but perhaps what we really need is to walk in community. There is a book of wisdom sayings in the middle of your Bible, uh, a book called Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes, many scholars believe that it was written by uh, the son of King David, a man by the name of Solomon. He was approached by God this one day and asked, you can ask for anything, Solomon, and, and uh, instead of choosing many of the things that we pursue in this world, Solomon asked for wisdom. God, I, I want wisdom. And God was so pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom, that God gave him wisdom, as well as many of the other things that we, cho- we chase after. And one of the byproducts of this experience was that, was that Solomon wrote this book, this book detailing the hollowness of the worldly uh, pursuits that we have and what true life and meaning is. Um, a byproduct of this experience was this book called Ecclesiastes. And in this, Ecclesiastes, this is what Solomon perhaps said. There was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. For whom am I toiling, he asked, and why am I depriving myself of enjoyment? This too is meaninglessness, a miserable business. Now, this for me is just, it's interesting. Thousands of years ago that someone could say, uh, why am I working this hard? This is just meaningless. It's meaningless. And for us, we might be saying the same things as we are cranking away hours in our days, as we're putting in 60, 70-hour work weeks. We, cut, we might stop around and go, no, why am I doing this? Where, is this really what life is supposed to be like? It's a miserable like, business. But then Solomon points out a wiser way, a truer way, in verse 9. Two are better than one, because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. Two are better than one. Isolation was not how God intended you to live. I mean, do you think Chris the sheep had a hard time getting up after he fell? Do you think Chris the sheep had a hard time, you know, fighting off dangers that came to him? Do you think Chris the sheep stayed warm all by himself? Yeah, I think so too. (laughs) I bet it was a bit sweaty in there, actually. But for us, we can buy into this lie that, you know, we can go it alone. We can spend our days. We can chase the things that we want to. But what happens is when life happens to you, when that hurdle is presented, that struggle comes your way, that unforeseen challenge comes your way, you'll stop and you look around and go, all right, who has my back? Who's for me? Who's with me? Even in like the great things in life, the joys, you are meant to have significant friendship. 
I know for me, like one of the loneliest experiences of my life, I lived in Europe for a little while and uh, I was working for this organization called Young Life. And on weekends, I would have like these little trips I would go off by myself. And some of the most beautiful, profound experiences of my life, and I would just naturally have them and look around of who can I share this with? And like this incredible moments in my life that ended up being lonely because I, I wanted a friend to share it with. We were meant to share life with others. Two are better than one. But then Solomon adds this line. It almost breaks uh, the, uh, the intellect in this, in the, the storyline that he's pointing out here. He says this, a cord of three strands is not, eat, not quickly broken. So you can look at this and go, wait, <laughs> you're talking about two this whole time. Uh, your, your math is odd. What, you're now all of a sudden we're talking about three cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Perhaps it's because in our commitment to one another, there's the Lord. That God loves it when we commit to one another. God is interwoven into those relationships. God is for those relationships, whether it be marriages or friendships, or even for us as a church, that God is, loves it when we commit to and for one another. And in doing that, it's not just two parties. There is a third strand, a third cord that's, that makes it so that it's not easily broken. And what's so special about God's, God's presence in our relationships is this, that many of us have been let down when relationships have gone wrong, when, when we have been left dry, when the cord has snapped too easily. We've been let down by it. But this picture of a three-corded rope teaches us that there's a deeper strength when God is intimately interwoven into our relationships. And when our relationships are brought to God and God is invited into these relationships, it, there's a strength to it. There's a health to it as God has designed that God wants to be involved in your relationships, in your community. And something profound happens. When that happens, when, when we have invited God into our relationships, we acknowledge that these relationships are a gift from God, but they're not God. They're not our hope, our life, and our Savior. I, one of my spiritual heroes is uh, this man, Henry Nowen, passed away some years, years back, but he wrote about community, and it's, it's just absolutely beautiful what he wrote. He said, community then cannot grow out of loneliness because but comes when the person who begins to recognize his or her belovedness greets the be belovedness of the other. Once you have realized that I am God's beloved, once you really become to understand that, then you can see that in others. Each, each of us, the deepest parts of who we are, is beloved by God. He continues, The God alive in me greets the God resident in you. When people can cease having to be for us everything, when you, we can see that this relationship can't provide everything for you, we can accept the fact that they may still have a gift for us. They are partial reflections of the great love of God, but reflections nonetheless, nevertheless. We see that gift precisely, and only once we give up requiring that person to be everything, to be God. We see him or her as a limited expression of an unlimited love. Our experience in community 
is based and it's founded on the belovedness from God. That's the, that's the foundation that we experience. And many times in my life, I have walked away from community because it didn't provide for me the hope and the life and the love that I knew I needed. But what's interesting is that it is just meant to be a reflection of that belovedness from God. When we, and when we are able to have that third chord interwoven into our experiences of community, we allow the, the experience of community to be a conduit of God's love, to be a conduit of God's presence and, and a reflection of God's grace. So back to Chris the sheep. Um, Jesus told a similar story once he was questioned about why he it was creating the sense of community with people who were the least likely, like the, the, the biggest outcasts, the people who were known to be sinners. Why was Jesus creating community with people like that? He painted a picture of how God pursues us. In Matthew 18, Jesus said this in verse 12, If a man owns a hundred sheep and then one of them wanders away, will he not leave the ninety-nine on the hill and go, go to look for the one that wandered off? And if he finds it, I, truly I tell you, he is happier about that one sheep than about the ninety-nine that did not wander off. In the same way, your Father in heaven is not willing that any of these little ones should perish. Jesus saying is these outcasts that you're talking about, I'm their shepherd. I'm their shepherd, and though you might want me to stay here with the 99, I see a beloved person, and I'm going to pursue them. This gives us a picture of what God treasures. It gives us a picture of what Jesus treasures, that Jesus, the good shepherd, he treasures people who have wandered off. He treasures beloves people that have chosen to gone it alone, and Jesus pursues us. Over and over again, Jesus finds us and carries us back home. The lost sheep didn't do one thing to earn this protection, to earn this salvation, to earn this celebration of being found. And that is grace. Even today, maybe as we have stepped into this new year, maybe we can look honestly at ourselves and go, yeah, I've, I've wandered away. I know I've, I've, I've ran. I've ran from community and I've ran from God. Just know that the good shepherd, he finds you and he delights in bringing you home. And what does the shepherd do when the shepherd finds the sheep? Does he ridicule the sheep? Tell the sheep, all right, good luck finding your way home. No, lovingly, the shepherd picks up the sheep, puts them on his shoulders, and makes the trip back home. And what does the sheep do? The sheep is called to rest, to rest in it, which is really hard for us as people. We believe that if God was to find us in our wanderings, then we have this long journey home. What we might not realize is the grace of God is that Jesus gets to carry us. Maybe many of us this new year, a resolution needs to be counterintuitive. Maybe many of us need to stop. Maybe our resolution is to stop trying to earn God's favor. Stop trying to find your way home. And let the grace and mercy of Jesus carry you. Carry you back. We forget that not only did the shepherd bring the sheep back to him, but also brought the sheep back to the flock. 
In visiting with many of you, you found your way to the vine because someone invited you. I love that. I love the fact that many of you have found your way because you're invited here, uh, and this for you might be your first experience of coming back into community, maybe coming back to church. We, this is the reason why we created this community, is we want this place to be a refuge for people to return to back to God, back to community. And because we've been found and rescued, we, we now know how to pursue people. Because Jesus has found us, we now know how to pursue people like he did. So this year, as a church, we are going to pursue people. We're going to pursue others with a Christ-like loyalty and faithfulness and passion that is going to reflect who Jesus is. And so I just want to, just want to encourage us uh, to pursue people. And so I want to speak to a couple different groups here. Uh, I want, what would it look like for us in this new year for us to pursue our loved ones? It's a tragic part of life that the people we love most, usually, especially our family, we often pursue the least. The people that we actually love the most, we actually pursue the least. We, we might pursue other people, but the people in our own homes, the people in our own family, we usually pursue the least. And I, what would it look like this year rather than sharing the same address with these people, for us to really pursue each other. Husbands, what would it be like for you to pursue your wife, to date your wife, to give her devotion and affection? What would it be like for wives for for you to pursue your husband? Friends, what would it be like for you to make it a priority to deepen the relationship that God has given you? For us who are fortunate enough to have our parents with us, What would it look like for us to pursue our parents, to ask them stories of their childhood, to make it a point in our calendar, to mark out time, to make memories with our parents? Parents, what would it look like for you to pursue your kids? Like to try to really get to know their dreams, their fears, what they're struggling with. What would it be like for you to make it a priority for you to pursue your kids wherever they are? I already find myself... Uh, when it comes to our oldest, our seven-year-old daughter, uh, Dylan, when I plan my date with Dylan, when we hang out, we always do the stuff I want. Like we get in the car and we listen to my depressing music on the way to the coffee shop that I like, and we hang out kind of quietly, we talk, might play like a card game, we go back home. I realize like a lot of times when I pursue my daughter, it's really like inviting her into me, like my life, pursuing me. Hey, you want to hang out and do my stuff? So this, year, uh, this past week, I decided I'm, I want to try to meet Dylan where she is. And I don't know why, but lately, and I can't stand it, Dylan has gotten into Pokemon. And I am so upset about it. I'm like, it's gonna, I'm afraid it's going to lead to Dungeons and Dragons and other weird stuff. And so I was like, oh, okay, I'm just going to try to meet her. So I downloaded Pokemon Go on my phone. And... It's so annoying. And uh, so we've been like out in our neighborhood, like chasing down Pokemon, riding our bikes. And because she has to wear a helmet, I have to wear a helmet. I feel so stupid. <laughs> like I was outside Torchy's Tacos in the Arbor Trail, like, and I found myself almost getting excited because this rare Pokemon came out. <laughs> and uh, I got back home, though, and like... I could tell that she, like, she so loved it that, like, rather than, like, demanding that she meets me in my life for me to actually go to her 
weird comic life. Uh, and I think that she felt pursued, that she felt loved. Um, I want to pursue. I want to pursue Dylan. I want to pursue our kids. I want to pursue the people that, I, that God's put in my life. And how would our life be different if the loved ones that we just spend our days with, if we actually just intentionally pursued and went after to deepen our relationships, to foster intimacy, to make memories? Not only pursuing our loved ones, what if, what if another challenge for us is pursue significant friendship? A part of our church's mission is to follow Jesus in significant friendship. Some people pushed back on that a while ago, but I really think that spiritual friendship is the bedrock for a lot of us for us experiencing Christ. It's a pillar of the spiritual life for us to have significant friends to walk through all of life with together. One of the last things Jesus said to his followers in, in John 15 was this. He said, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I, that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you. This movement that Jesus started began because of the power of friendship, that Jesus established a circle of friends that were about something more than themselves. And this movement that started with a group of friends, it changed the world. It changed the whole world. A group of friends pursuing each other, pursuing God, pursuing others. Paul, later on, he'd be a church planner after the time of Jesus. He started a church in a town of Thessalonica, and listen to how he started this church, how ministry began. This is 1 Thessalonians 2, 8. Because we loved you so much, we were delighted to share with you not only the gospel of God, but our lives as well. Because of what God has done in and through Jesus, they were compelled to share their life. They, and they shared more than just the gospel, like the promises of God. They also shared their lives with one another. And, and furthermore, they didn't do it out of duty. They did it beca because we so loved you, because we loved you so much. They did it out of a sincere love and devotion to one another. I really, really want the vine. I hope and pray the vine will be a community marked by sincere love that we share not only the promises of God, but we are sharing our lives with one another. That includes our joys and includes our birthday parties and our celebrations, as well as our hardships, our prayers, our needs, our doubt. For us to pursue significant friendship, it, we're going to have to make it a priority. We're going to have to pursue each other. We're going to have to mark it out in our calendar, in our days, in our lives. This is why we have small groups. We have interest groups because we want to share more uh, of the things that we love. We have hobbies and interests and desires. We are going to share it with one another. And this is, when we are doing, a, we have a woodworking group. They love, you know, making things with wood. <laughs> Equally as exciting for me as Pokemon. Go. <laughs> uh, but they love doing it. And they, so they're sharing their life together. There's, a, there's actually a new boot camp group that's starting this week. It's, it's going to be meeting on Tuesday nights and Wednesday mornings. And, and they're going to get together and they're going to work out because they love it. Or because they, they don't love it, but they want to do it. And they're going to do it together. Like for me, these are spiritual things too. Like it's not just like hanging out as buds. Like 
doesn't turn, like this is actually sharing our life with one another. Because uh, we're going to want to share more than pews and prayers with each other. We're going to share our life. But we also want to foster uh, relationships of, of deep spiritual connections. That's why we have vine groups. Vine groups meet throughout the week in different homes. The purpose of these groups are to share real life with each other. What we're learning from our time in God's Word and our church gatherings, we're going to share our prayers together. Uh, and if you're not in a small group, if you're not in a vine group, uh, we have groups that are on this board outside. Uh, you weren't meant to go it alone. Don't be like Chris. Don't be like him. Um, you don't want to be like Chris. You were meant to have significant spiritual friends. You don't have to leave the church because of that. I'm, I'll, I'll put it down. Uh, but it, this, like, it deeply is meaningful for us. And I love how science catches up to God's Word. You, do we know that our friendships actually change our physical health? In 2005, back in Australia, they, a, a study was found that close relationships with children and other relatives have a very little impact on how long you live. But people with the most friends tended to outlive those with, with the fewest by 22%. 22% is just your, life, your life longevity increases. In fact, according to the researchers, the health, the health risk of having few friends is similar to smoking 15 cigarettes a day and more dangerous than being obese or not exercising in terms of decreasing your lifespan. So, according to the stu study, you can eat and smoke as much as you want as long as you join a vine group. <laughs> That's the big selling point. Uh, and my hope and my prayer is that the Vine would be a true community where we're finding significant friendship regardless if you're single or if you're married, if you have kids, if you don't have kids, if you're an empty nester, regardless, like if you're 16 years old and 80 or 80 years old, my hope and prayer is that this will be a family for you. And I think that's actually something unique about who the Vine is, that our, we're, we are diverse in age and stage of life, and I love that about us. I hope we never lose that because we are forming a sense of family together. So this year we're pursuing loved ones, we're pursuing significant friends, and finally we're pursuing those who feel far from God. As we remember Jesus, the good shepherd, he left the 99 to, to bring people home, bring ones home. He invited us to follow his example. So we're going to treasure what God treasured. If God treasured the one who felt like they were far from God, though God was not far from them, we are going to be people who are going to pursue those people, who pursue those people knowing that heaven erupts when one returns home. Therefore, we're going to go. We're going to go because we so love this world that we not only offer the gospel, but we offer our lives as well. We're going to leave our comforts to go and do this. We're going to make we're going to make relationships a priority. We're going to pursue significant friendships. So friends, um, I just want to give a little space for you to pray and spend time with God and, and the peace of this place. Perhaps God has put someone on your heart to pursue. Maybe God has put someone on your heart to pursue and that person is a spouse, a child, yours, a friend, a co-worker. Just open up yourself to, to the compassion of God that might want to identify someone for you to pursue this new year.
perhaps God is inviting you to more intentionally step into deeper relationships, maybe to jump into a small group in the Vine group, to take the courage to, to be a friend, to invite friendship. Or maybe even you've remembered today that God wants to be interwoven into your relationships in your life. Maybe you need to invite God into your friendship, into your home, into your marriage again. Just with an open hands and open heart, just invite God to weave himself into your life and your relationships. Thank you, Jesus, for pursuing us, for finding us though we are far. God, grace is so hard to receive, but thank you, Jesus, that we get to rest in you. As you carry us back into home, as we are carried back into community, I pray, God, that we would do so with the gratitude of knowing we did not deserve a single thing. We thank you for this gift of this church. We thank you for this gift of your body and your blood, forgiveness, grace and mercy. Amen.